Hey everyone, good morning. This is Coach Mark Nolan and welcome to another episode of Don't Kick Your Coverage, the only podcast dedicated to the high school sports fans and the athletes and their parents. Today, I'm really excited to bring back someone I've known for many, many years, uh, back, going back to his high school days at Carrollton High School in Georgia, uh, Tyler Newsom, a uh, fellow Notre Dame alum. Uh, many of you may know him from Tyler, uh, spent four years at Notre Dame. Um, and also uh, was the captain last year. Uh, he spent uh, a couple times uh, in the NFL, like we all do, touring the different uh, <laughs> places of, of interest. And uh, Tyler now is living down in Florida. He's taken on a, a big, uh, big role as a business development guy. But I want to talk to, uh, let you talk to me, Tyler, today about your journey, some of the things that you've been on, and maybe just some things you can share with some of the parents and some of the high school athletes, you know, as, as they get there. How's that? How's that sound? Coach, that sounds great. Super excited to uh, share a little bit about my journey and hopefully help some of these kids going down the same path. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's excited. I'm excited. Let's get into it. Okay. So Tyler, uh, what really started you on this journey um, of just being a punter, being a kicker? What was it like in high school? How did you start it? Was it you start in eighth grade? When you were born, did your dad say, oh, my God, look at the size of his legs. He's going to be a kicker and a punter. Or what was your journey like when you first started? I grew up playing a lot of soccer and wasn't very good at it, but I loved it. You know, I loved playing soccer, would always go out to a field or a local tennis court, was just kicking a ball around, you know, for as long as I can remember. I loved it. And then my aunt was dating a guy at the time. And he said, why don't I take you out to the football field? And you know, let's see if you can kick a football. And uh, sure football, enough, you know, football. what's a football, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sure enough, I, I, I really liked it. And so um, after that, I lived about a mile and a half, two miles from a Walmart. And I walked down to a Walmart and bought a composite football and a tee and, uh, and uh, started using that. And I would just kick it and go get it, kick it and go get it and start to slowly fall in love with it. And, when I first started, I'd bring a football and a soccer ball out there so I could have both um, and then slowly transitioned into getting more footballs and, um, you know, spending more time just kicking. Uh, so I guess that's really how it started out for me. I lived probably two miles from a, a middle school field. So walk over there and walk back or a mile, really, and then walk back. And yeah, that's how it started for me, just falling in love with being out there. Yeah. And then it reminds me of when I was, you know, I was nine. Uh, that's how I did. I had two footballs and one of them had a big bubble burst on the side of it. And, you know, I would kick a ball, run and get it, kick the ball, run and get it, kick the balls and run and get it. Right. And do that for an hour, hour and a half. And people would drive by in their cars going, look at that crazy kid out there just kicking by himself yeah. in this, you know, on this field called, called it was called Colbertson school, which was that right down the street from my house. So yeah, very, very similar to what yeah. you did. And, um, and why, since you played other sports, uh, like others, and, and, you know, like our son, Mark Christopher, why did you decide to go down this path? When you said you weren't that good at soccer, I mean, you were uh, probably a big guy back then as well. So were you a, were you a keeper? Were you a, were you a defender? You weren't a striker, yeah. were you? No, I was playing center back. And, center uh, back, right. you know, it just, I think I slowly fell in love more with 
the weight room and kicking the football than I did with soccer. And I was on JV as a junior, so I wasn't really seeing much of <laughs> much of my career going anywhere with soccer. So I loved it, but I didn't, you know, at that, at that point I decided to put all my uh, efforts in the weight room in the off season and going out to the field. So that, that's where, what I did. And, you know, I was a really skinny kid in high school. So I kind of fell in love with the weight room. I remember being laughed at my freshman year because I couldn't bench 135. And, you know, what I do love about the weight room, though, is that it never lies to you. But I'll always be honest with you. The work you put in in the weight room is what you're going to get out on the field. And, uh, you know, I think lastly, that the last bit that drove me to want to really get into getting into kicking itself and punting was just the competition when it's uh, in itself, you know, it's a good, is it not good? Did I turn over the punt? Did I not turn it over? As a, as a kid in high school, my dad helped me put together an Excel sheet and we printed a bunch of them out and it was, you know, right, le- right hash, left hash uh, kicks from 20 to 50 yards. And, you know, I would have my one football at the time or two footballs and a tee because I didn't have kicking sticks at the time, but a yeah. T and uh, I would just kick it. And then, you know, you're charting these things, you're seeing where you're at. And I think, all right, all right, yesterday I went 70%, but today I, you know, I'm, I'm competing with myself. I'm going to beat that. You know, how, where did I miss from? How do I attack these kicks, you know, in my drill work? So I think that just that competition and desire to be out there is really what made me fall in love with the kicking and punting world. Right. And and probably some other camaraderie. I mean, I know that I remember oh, yeah. you, you, know, you and Mark Christopher hung out together and a lot of other guys that were on there, whether you were at a, you know, a one-on-one camp or a competition camp or just training, I think, mm-hmm. you know, that was uh, Mark Christopher's favorite stuff with me. He's like, you know, I, I just mm-hmm. love hanging out with the guys. And I remember when you got your offer from Notre Dame, I think you were literally in a van with Mark Christopher and some other guys just going to a Chris Saylor camp. Is that right? Do I remember that right? Yep, that that is right. And I, I will say I loved being with all those guys. I mean, that was, you know, you have guys who, who love exactly what you love and want to compete with what you want to compete on. I think that's what I'll, I'll tell the high school kids. that <clears throat> Find that group of guys that loves what you love and train with them relentlessly. Um, you know, it's like the the Arnold uh, three-part series documentary they did on Netflix. He found a bunch of guys that love what he did. And there are those kids in every area. Even if you guys, even if these kids have to drive 25 minutes each way, go find those kids that that love what you love and want to commit the way you commit. And that'll make you better. Um, But to go back to your question, I believe it was, I just finished up. I think this was at the time where Jamie Coles and Chris Saylors and, the coaches of the time could run the NCAA camp. So Jamie had right. just got done running a camp and, you know, I'd spend a couple of days training with Jamie. And then before that, then went to the NC state camp that didn't go well. And then the Notre Dame camp was a few days later. And so I had just seen Jamie Cole at the Notre Dame camp and then flew home, flew out to Vegas and then Notre Dame. That's when I was committing to them uh, at a Chris Saylor camp, just because I loved the competition. I love being at those things. And, you know, Jamie was really instrumental in helping me out in high school. And, you know, Chris is great too, that, you know, I'm, I know he's helped a lot of kids out, but I can say that Jamie was a big part of that Notre Dame offer for me. Um, 
Yeah. And, you know, there, there are a lot of great coaches out there that help a lot of great kids, but I, I can certainly speak to, you know, where, where I got that help from with that one was with Jamie. Yeah. And, you know, I, I interviewed Jamie a couple of weeks ago. I, well, I actually interviewed both Jamie Coles and Chris Taylor, maybe oh, two, cool. months, two months ago. You know, I tried yeah. to, I tried to get them both on the same call. I was like, that is never going <laughs> yeah. to happen. Right? That's not going to happen. Never yeah. going to yeah. happen. They have this two different ways, but, uh, mm-hmm. what I did, I did interview both of them and they both gave me great, you know, great, great things about how they started their own company, you know, and why mm-hmm. they started it. So it, it was a lot of fun listening to, to both their stories. Uh, so speak, they, speaking yeah. of, you know, job wise, what was the, the, the favorite part of your job? When I say job, you know, a college athlete does between 45, between 42 and 45 hours a week really working right as in in mm-hmm. in the role that you're in as a job so what was your what was your most favorite part of the job as a as a college athlete and then the least you know favorite part of your job when you were a student athlete well i'll start off by saying and this may sound cheesy coach but there really wasn't a part for me that was the least favorite i loved I truly fell in love with the grind, whether that was going to class, you know, I looked at class and each class is practice and my game day in in the academic world was test day. So I I never missed a class at Notre Dame. I went to every single one because I knew at one point football would be over for me and I wanted to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. And in the terms of the football world, I loved lifting weights. I loved being on the grind as specialists. Sometimes we are, you know, kind of on our, or on our own field, we're practicing, we're doing our own thing. And I looked at the off season, I was like, this is my chance to prove, you know, not only to myself, but that I can, I can hang, but to show these guys, this is how hard I work. This is, you know, I'm, I am your teammate. I'm not just your punter over there practicing by itself. I'm your teammate. So I loved the off season. And then the older I got, I really fell in love with the details, drills, getting on the jugs machine with the receivers mm-hmm. and, and and doing those small things that really made the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, but the, when I was younger, I didn't like doing drill work. You know, I, I was like, ah, now I just want to go hit 100 footballs, 200 footballs and call <laughs> it a day. Right. And but as I got older, I kind of made it my senior year of high school, I said, I'm going to do 50 drops a day. And whether I was, you know, it was snowing and it was in college or wherever it was, you know, I would go down the hallway, do 50 drops a day. I would find a way to do 50 drops a day. And so that's one of those weird things that, you know, I I think really helped my dropout because it becomes muscle memory at a point you've trained the brain. Like, and I would, you know, I could remember there were times in a game where there's a low snap, but you catch it and you're like, how the heck did that you know, turnover. Why wasn't that a complete shank? It's well, it's because you drilled that in your head Correct. 50 times a day for the last two and a half years. Right. Correct. Um, yeah. So that's, I guess uh, it really, as cheesy as that sounds, there's no part that I didn't love. Um, maybe drill work as I was younger, but you realize when you get older, how good it is for you. And um, I needed to get on the jugs machine. I needed to work on my hands. That was a weaker part of my, um, you know, punting, so getting on the jugs with the receivers, putting yourself in a group chat with the receivers in the receivers group chat and asking them, hey, who is getting on the jugs tonight? Like that just makes your hands like, you know, your mind and it makes you more a part of the team, too, because right. we are very similar to everybody else. And we need to get that kind of 
extra work in as well. Right. No, and, and, and that's a great point because, you know, one of the things that, you know, uh, we do is we we built a framework probably 37, 38 years ago, you know, when we started doing our drop table stuff and all the things we did around the track, you know, all the drills mm-hmm. we did. I used to tell kids all the time and Michael used to used to get ticked off at me. I'd say, dude, kicking a football on a scale one to 10 is like a five. Punting is like a 17. You know, mm-hmm. and if you don't love drill work, if you don't love doing all the things we got to do from a hand standpoint, if you're a combo guy, I can always tell within the first five minutes of me picking up a new kid, whether he's a kicker or a punter, I can always tell because of how much drill work they do. And you mm-hmm. have to love that. To your point, you have to love that drill work. But what, regardless if it's a kicker or a punter, but I think to your point, punters, we have to do so many different things. And then a lot of times we have to have, we're, we're the hands. Right. So we're the hands as the holder for the kicker. So it is important from that standpoint. Now, I know that there's got to be something that was the least favorite part of y- your, your job when you were a student athlete. Now, I can tell you at Notre Dame, we had a lot of least favorite parts of our jobs at Notre Dame. And that was usually study hall and things like that. But you may have loved it. You may have loved, um, you know, <laughs> things that we did out there compared to the average Joe Bush. Yeah. Um, so. So, you know, if there's nothing, if there's nothing least favorite about it, I'm sure that when you're doing drops at, you know, seven o'clock at night by yourself, we used to call it the Maytag repairman, you know, mm-hmm. you either said, well, I could be out partying with my friends, uh, or I could be doing this, I could be doing this, but here I am doing drop tables. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of found time, you know, they, they always say you find time for what's important. And Correct. for me, I found time for you know, the things that were important to me. And I would encourage young kids that are, you know, going into college and and high school to write down your dorm room small. So write down a list of what is most important to you, because you're going to see it the first time you wake up in the morning and you're going to see it right before you turn off those lights and go to bed because your dorm room's not big. So if you put that on your mirror, you're going to see what's, what's important to you and what you need to get done that day. Right. Yeah. Um, I was at, I was at alumni hall. So we had a pretty small, pretty small room. Um, Yeah. And that's a great point, Tyler. That really is a great point from a, you know, kids nowadays, they seem to want to get up in the morning and they're they're checking Snapchat, you know, as soon as they wake Mm -hmm. up. Uh, and I tell them, you know, like to the guys I trained, they had to do 125 push-ups every day, you yeah. know, during the day, not at all at once, but just throughout the day. And right. they had to weigh themselves and they had to do some things that normal kids don't do. But we're to your point, we're trying to get him into a routine that's going to have a, a, a big success built in for them. So with that, what is the one idea that like, you know, experts in our field say that you dis- that maybe you disagree with? in the, in the training and strength conditioning side and how you look at this situation and, uh, and its effects on them as student athletes, especially as specialists. Yeah. This one is going to be a little different, right? I, I like to lift heavy weights. I, when I was playing, I like to lift heavy weights. Now I'll, let me be very clear, not maxing out during the season. Right. I think a, a 70 to 80% in the season is great with proper form. I think on a Tuesday, you know, if you're playing Friday, the Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, you know, if we were playing Saturday, it would be Tuesday, Wednesday, potentially, but nowhere near, you know, 
any crazy maxes, but in the season of 70, 80% to keep those muscles strong, to keep them lean. And I think explosive training is great. And that's not something I really found out and really dug deep into until I was actually with Kansas city. I met a coach that was there, coach Potts, uh, Joseph Potts, and he's an awesome guy. I mean, he helped my vertical go up from a 29 to a 39 in a matter of uh, one summer. And that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. And, and it was incredible. And I basically went up to him, I, a teammate from Notre Dame said, this is who you want to train with in Kansas city. So I went and saw coach Potts and, and coach Potts. I said, Hey, you know, I, I get strength training. I get that, but help me with this explosive stuff. So we were doing hex bar deadlifts. Ooh. We were doing single on single, you know, single leg jumps onto a box. I mean, all kinds of great stuff, you know, working on certain, mu- excuse me, certain muscles in the hips. And I, I fell in love with that explosive, you know, part of kicking and punting because that is half of it, right? You can yeah. have a strong leg, but if you're not explosive, like, and I saw a, res- a direct result on my hang times as well, the way the ball was popping off my foot. Mm-hmm. And the one idea I wish I would tell, you know, if I was talking to myself as a young kid, falling in love with the idea of not an off day, but a regeneration day. A day where you do drops, you focus on those muscles that are tight and you stretch them out, you stretch that area out, you do a bunch of drill work. I don't like the idea of an off day because you're going to sit around and do nothing, right? But I also don't like the idea of a a day that you do full training again because it's not – now, this is where I heard it from Coach Potts, the regeneration day, right? Let your body regenerate, work on the areas you need to get to if you need to go – a very, you know, light 10% to get some blood flow to that area, do it. But listen to your body, have those regeneration days and make them drill work days too. Because sitting around all day playing Xbox or getting on Snapchat, it's not going to make you better, but these regeneration days are a game changer. Right, right. And that's a great, great lead in because, you know, Tyler, I'm a big FMS guy. I love functional mm-hmm. movement screening. You know, I I started with Great Cook's uh, program probably – when he first started FMS. And, you know, one of the things we always talk about is why it's important that to know your, to know your limitations. And, you know, one of the things, for instance, I I just had a kid I was training the other day uh, who just did his leg work the day after, I'm sorry, the day before we did a training, a a training exercise. I'm like, dude, why are you, why didn't you listen to what I just got in telling you? I told you, don't do legs the day we're, we're going to the training. Oh, well, you know, I just forgot. I'm like, oh, that's unacceptable. <laughs> you know, it's just, how can mm-hmm. you forget? How can you forget a, your training and B, how can you forget not knowing what day you should be doing special things to help yourself out? So that, that, that right there was a, a great lead in uh, to what you think specialists need to work on daily and stretching. I'm a big stretching guy. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. just, you know, here I am, here I am at 68, you know, I'm still out there kicking with these guys when I'm helping them out and playing punk golf with them and having fun. So, um, there, here's a question for you. There are of course many others, you know, who focus on different things and procedures in the area of, uh, of, of athletes, physical and the mental side of the game care. So is there one that you focused on over the others and are there more common mental and physical types of conditions you found were helpful both in season and out of season? I think both are great. We kind of touched on the strength training piece, right? I believe that heavy, it's good to get heavy in the off season 
in season, stay a little lighter, but always work on your explosive stuff throughout the year. That's something you'll need. Right. And so I think that piece is important, but also I do believe that the mental side of the game is so important and, and really coach, I didn't start hearing about all of this personally until my senior year of college, we brought in a mental performance coach by the name of Dr. Amber Southgate. And she Ooh. is, she's great. Ooh. And she always said, you know, your thoughts lead to your emotions, which di- lead to your physio- physiological response, which ultimately dictates your performance, right? Ooh. So it all starts with your thoughts. And I would talk to her a lot my senior year and my fifth year. And ultimately, the, the thing that helped me out the most was visualization, right? Seeing seeing yourself, I, I would walk the stadium, I would go to visualize punts. This is what a punt ride would look like and see that spiral, right? This is what the Aussie would look like. See that Aussie dropping up to the to the tube, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, and even laying in bed, instead of spending that time on Snapchat or Instagram or whatever, you know, visualizing, okay, this is what it's going to look like tomorrow. This is what it's going to look like on Friday night. This is what it's, you know, this is what it's going to feel like. I can already see it. Um, that's the piece I would say is that visualization and even walking the stadium by yourself. If you have practice, right. And your legs a little tired, well, visualize it, you know, see everything, see what, you know, you've been there, put yourself in that situation before it happens. Right. Right. That's, that's, and that's very, it's very true. And, and, you know, I think from the younger standpoint to which you raised a great point, a lot of the time, these younger kids really don't have the visualization drills or the mental side. You know, they just go out and kick and, you know, or they think about the last kick uh, or they'll think about the last punt. They shanked it. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I got to hit really hit a bomb now. I'm like, no, you don't. It just that, mm-hmm. that you can't change. You can't change that last punt. But you can right. change. You can focus on this punt and you can't worry about the next punt. So it's living in that now moment that I think has been very critical that we've been looking at from the physiological standpoint and the mental standpoint. You're seeing so many more schools getting involved with the mental side. I'm, I'm interviewing mm-hmm. a lady uh, in two weeks. Her name is Emma O'Donnell from uh, across the pond. And she actually just wrote a book about the mental stress and about um, the high school kids and their parents and, and, and how to, how to manage that. And so I'm looking forward to, to listening to her discussion on that. Um, but you, to your point, is there anything on the, in, uh, on the out of season that you do both on the, from the mental standpoint? Oh yeah. Visualize it. I mean, think about what it's going to feel like, right? I think, you know, for those kids that are going into college, aren't playing, or you're in high school and you're not playing yet. When you're out there at halftime, you get a chance to go out there and kick in front of that stadium full of people. I would, during my red shirt year, I would do this. I would say, okay, I would just kind of tune everything out and I would pretend in my head, I'm like, this is fourth down. This is your punt. Right. And you know, you get these 10 punts, you know, take advantage of that red shirt year and in the off season, visualize what that would feel like for you and train your mind to know what success will look like out on the field, because then it's going to be a lot easier for it to come. Um, You know, picture what it's like, you know, it's fourth down and long, try and get what that feeling would be like. So it's not a first time for you when you get out there, you've been there, you've done that in your head before. Right. Yeah. And it's a great point. I remember playing it. My first game was at, was at Michigan. And when we first came out to warm out with the first teams, I mean, you know, I had never played inside of a, a place that big before. And Dave Reeves said, Hey, you know what we should do? Let's go practice in front of the band. I said, why won't you go practice in front of the Michigan band? He goes, because they hate us. 
So let's go out there in front. You know, they're going to holler at us. They're going to scream at us. They're going to call us all kinds yeah. of names. Like, okay, if, that, if you think that works, let's go try mm -hmm. it. You know? Uh, so uh, if you had the attention of the whole athletic youth and high school sports world for five minutes, what would you say to them? And in my experience, this really is a global question for all athletes and their parents who are playing sports. Yeah, I think I would do it probably in three ways. Number one, the importance of your education. I think that, you know, reminding these kids and how important that is to have that degree and make sure you're networking in college and make sure you're ready because hopefully football works out for everybody the way it does. But sometimes it's going to be cut short early for people and you got to be ready for when that hits. And while you're playing, I recommend you trust trust a process. Make sure that you have a process that you found that works. And if you don't have one, find a process that works, whether it's your kicking, punting, your training routine. Don't just aimlessly go out there and do something. Have a process. And when things fail, maybe you have to reevaluate the process, but continue to trust the work. Can tr trust the way you've set up your training routine. Trust the coaches that have helped you develop that routine and follow the routine. Follow the drill work. A lot of that's, you know, as if I were to tell myself something as a, as a high school recruit, follow the drill work, do the drill work. Don't just do the drills you like, do all of them, do the one step punts, even though you don't understand why we do the one step punts. Right. And if you don't understand why ask why, and don't just say, Oh, this is stupid. I'm not doing it. Ask why. Right. And the thing we've touched on the most is always compete with yourself. I think in high school, probably, you know, I would certainly worry about, Oh man, this guy, Mark Christopher could turn over the ball like anybody outside ever to this day. I mean, a turnover machine. <laughs> and, you know, I, I drive myself nuts like, oh, man, I want to turn it over like that. Right. Or, you know, we had guys that were never missing field goals. Like you can't worry about the other guy. You got to focus on you. Right. You can let that use you as, as a motivation. Like, oh, that's the way, you know, that's nice. Like I want to do X, Y and Z, but you got to compete with you. How many balls did you turn over today? versus how many you're going to turn over tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. That competition that I mentioned with the field goals. If I went seven for 10 on my charting session today, well, what am I going to do tomorrow? I can't worry about the guy that never misses because he they have no effect on your game. Correct. So I think if I were to tell kids that one thing, don't worry about what the other guy is doing because ultimately that doesn't affect you. You affect you. The work you put in affects you. And at the end of the day, if you end up worrying about someone else too much, it's going to take you out of the present and take you away from being your your best self. Yeah. So great point. Great point. You know, it's funny you mention that because we were, um, you know, I used to train a lot with with uh, Harrison Buckner. So it was me, Harrison Buckner, Will Lutz, Colin Barber, and Marshall Morgan. And a lot of times we go down inside Georgia Tech Stadium, inside their mm -hmm. the indoor facility. And Harrison one time walked up to me and he goes, Coach Nolan, if I can just kick a ball like Marshall Morgan on kickoffs, I would be like, awesome. I just, I just got to get more height on the ball. I'm like, okay, if that's what you think you need to have done, let's work on it. And I, and I always thought he was awesome, but he was always the one going, I got to get better. I got I got to get better. I'm competing against myself. But when Marshall comes down here to hang with us, you know, his ball flight is so much more higher than, our, than ours. And same thing with Will Lutz. Well, that's like, you know, I want to be a combo guy. I'm like, dude, you're not going to be a combo guy in the NFL. Just forget about, it, you know, but, you know, to your point, when you have, when you have those experiences, you have to dial in 
to what you think that experience is going to be for you as you get better. And I don't think being a combo guy, you know, in, in the NFL, I mean, it worked out for Ty Long for a couple of years, uh, mm-hmm. but for, it's so rare. Would you agree with that, Tyler? It's so rare to find those guys who are combo guys um, in, co- in college and in the NFL, because a lot of the parents tell me like, oh, my son went to do both. I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's great, but he may not want to do both in college because it's a different level. It's a different level of transition from high school to college. And now you got four or five kickers, you know, a couple of walk-ons you're dealing with, maybe a couple of scholarship guys. And now with the transfer portal, you know, those whole dynamics change. I I agree. I think in high school, I was kind of playing the card of, well, whoever wants me for whichever one. And I, I did both hoping that, you yeah. know, to have some options. And I think that these kids now, I think that's, I would encourage them to do both. They mm-hmm. do both because one school might really like you as a punter and they don't <laughs> want you to kick field goals. And, and Notre Dame did not want me to kick field goals. They made that very clear to me, but I, I had some schools that did want me to kick field goals. You know, I'd prefer walk on from Pittsburgh and Georgia to kick field goals. And, um and an offer from air force to kick they made it clear like hey we want you to kick and right and so you're you you give yourself more options uh by doing that and i would encourage high school kids to do it and i think it makes you a better competitor yeah i I can still remember losing and getting my tail kicked by like mark christopher and i can remember losing in field goal competitions and, and all these different things but it made me a better competitor for it right um yeah yeah. And and so I would encourage these kids to do it because it it's sharpening you as as a young man going into to college where you need to be sharpened up. You're going to be competing every day with a guy who's a junior or a transfer yeah. portal guy that has game experience. So any chance you can get to compete, relish in it and enjoy yeah. it and know that even if you don't quote unquote win, every experience is a winning opportunity because you learn learn something about yourself or you grew. And so uh, that's, I guess, what I would tell these kids. It's Good. even if you quote unquote lose, every experience is a winning experience because you learn or you grow. Correct. Um, Correct. So, it's a good point. Yeah. Here's a here. So, if you had a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, you know, metaphorically speaking, uh, and getting a message out to millions or even billions of folks, what would it say, and why? I had this quote I saw in college and the quote said, how you do anything is how you do everything. And kind of circling back on our whole theme today that, you know, I I went to every single class, you know, I loved all these details, but really it's about how you do anything. It's how you do everything. I tell kids when I've coached them, Hey, you can't expect to turn it on and be a guy out here. If you're screwing around in the classroom or if you're doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing outside of the classroom, you can't expect to just turn it on when you get out to the field because it, it's two different things you have going on right now. You have to treat everything the same and with the same level of intensity. And then that's why I told you, I looked at class and you go into class as practice and test day was game day, right? Um, but I really fell in that love with that quote is, um, so how you do anything is how you do everything. That's a great um, quote. Great quote. And it's funny because that's actually, I think the next question is, you know, are there any quotes you think about often or, or live by today or even having your current job that inspires you? Yeah. The, the Bible verse probably that I've had 
I guess tattooed on me for about yes. 10 years. Um, and it says it's Hebrews 11, one faith is confidence and what we hope for and assurance about things we do not see. And I think personally just having faith in any situation and just trusting that God is in control. We may not understand why and kind of goes into my next point, right? Don't really, I don't like to ask why, like, Oh, why me? Why is this happening? Why? You know, and I don't, I don't have a pity party. I, I really am not that kind of guy. I think I know that everything happens for a reason and I may not understand it, but I'm not going to sit around and ask, Oh, why me? Why me? I'm just going to say, okay, there's a reason this happened. How can we reevaluate this? Or, and how can we move forward? Um, Oh, you get benched, right? It's like, Oh, why is this happening? You know, you feel bad. You're taking yourself out of the present, your pit, pity party, put the, you know, you're putting a storm cloud over your head, but instead it's like, okay, what do I need to do to get better? How can I focus my attention to make sure that I get to where I want to go? Um, right. right. You know, I, I got cut three times, right? I was trying to find a way each time. So I was saying, oh man, this sucks. Why me? Why me? Right. It's like, okay, where can I make the improvements? What's next? How, how do I attack what's next? Um, and yeah, I think there's a reason that the windshield in the car is bigger than the rear view mirror, right? Correct. Can't, Correct. Can't spend time looking back on what's happened. You have to focus on always moving forward, use it as perspective, but if you get caught looking back too much, you're going to end up crashing. So, yeah. And you know, you, your point is valid because you know, one of the things that uh, I, I often talk about is, you know, God's plan, almost every kid I train and I'd say, I would almost every kid uh, is that I, I've always believed it's been God's plan. And sometimes, you know, God, God kept on calling me to keep on doing this. I mean, I did this part-time for 48 years, right? I'm the longest serving kicking punting coach in the United States, 48 years in part-time not even full-time stuff, but God kept on saying to me, I'm going to keep on calling you. I'm going to keep on calling you to do this kind of stuff. And he kept on getting a busy signal. Then the busy signal was me. I'm busy raising a family. I'm busy doing this. I'm busy trying to pay my bills. I'm busy trying to start my company. I'm busy doing this. I'm making sure all those things are, I'm busy, busy, busy. And then one day God said, okay, you're going to pick the phone up sooner or later. And when you mm -hmm. do, then you know, it's truly, the thing I've been asking you to do full time. So, and that's where I'm doing that. That's why I started doing podcasting. You know, that's mm -hmm. why I wrote the book a year and a half ago or two years ago about the NCAA. That's why I got myself involved in these kind of things. Not, not for the money for God's sakes. Right. But it's really for, for God's will of wanting me to do these things. So um, is there one unusual habit or an absurd thing that you used to do as a high school, college, or NFL free agent that you love that might help those listening here today to help drive them? Yeah, I, there's a few, uh, probably more than we have time to list of absurd <laughs> things that I would probably do. But uh, a few off the top of the head is uh, when I was with Kansas City, uh, Harrison Bucker is the kicker, and I was yep. competing for the job. and. For the high school kids who don't know, a lot of the job in the NFL is not only punting, but a big portion of it is holding. Holding, yeah. And, and to any high school punters out there, work on your holding and take it just as serious as you do your punting. How you do anything is how you do everything. Don't just say, oh, I'm putting the ball down. Take it serious. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would work with Harrison a lot and, and Tommy Townsend. We, we had a dime, you know, a little dime. Yep. And we would put it down and – catch the ball and you can hear when it hits the dime, it's a little thing, 
Yeah. Right. And and so we would work. I mean, that summer, Coach, no, I'm not kidding you. We probably had tens of thousands of holds, right? But that's what it's required of, right? Like there were so many holds because that's a big part of the job. We probably had that same amount of punts, right? And it's an important aspect, right? You 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 want to make sure that boom, you you know that you can literally put it on a dime. You want to make sure that that ball is there and with the lasers out the way the kicker wants it. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's probably an unusual thing we'd use dimes, all kinds of weird things like whatever we could find, right? Um, but you can hear it on a dime, so that's that's a weird one. The jugs machine is something that I got into early in college. I was we were at the Loftus and. Mm-hmm. or indoor and uh i was going out to do drills and i saw a couple of the receivers getting the jugs and i'm like all right i want to work in on this so i said here i'll shoot you guys some jugs and then i gave them a couple rounds i'm like all right now you guys give me a couple right and they're like what why do you want to i said i gotta work on my hands <laughs> right. just like you just like right. you guys right um and then you know after we left it's kind of like you know you give some to get a little right, and so I I was making sure I was taking care of you know giving them like you know right. all the and then I said hey guys add me in the group text right I put me in the receiver group text, and so they did and so then from that point on I was able to text in the group text who wants to get on the jugs machine right, and I think that's a big part of not only being a teammate but doing the stuff that probably i mean it's not fun catching drills when it's cold out or catching jugs when it's cold outside but you, you learn to embrace it you're doing it with somebody else you're embracing the suck um so those are probably a couple of the unusual things that i've had um okay. that i did across my career okay did you i think to your point about the uh the catching was it the north carolina game that was a snowy game was that was, if i remember was it north carolina or was it when you were at notre dame when it just we had a we had a monsoon, monsoon, monsoon game. NC State. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Yep. That was a crazy game. How important was it to have clean hands then? Good. Yeah. We still got one block, but it definitely <laughs> important in a monsoon game to have. Uh, and you know, and you know sure Tyler, you're, you, you made a great point because um, I, I have a kicker that I trained that uh, they missed a, they missed a playoffs. Uh, because the offensive line guy, one of the guys didn't block down, right? He was offensive mm-hmm. offensive lineman, and I'm not knocking offensive lineman, but on this one PAT, he decided not block down. They came, brought two guys in. They missed the extra point. They lost the game 61 to 60. Oh my gosh! Because of that, wow. right? And then the kid ended up hit, hitting a 59 yarder to try to win the game. He just pulled the ball to the right. Uh, he's a lefty that I train, but I was like, see that that's why it's so important when, when you're dealing as specialists, you got to ensure that your, your guys in the front know that even though it's fourth down and even though they're tired and they went first down, second down, third down, you're coming in mm-hmm. their job on fourth down is just as important as it is on second down or third down or first down. So, right. and, and because what happens is they, they didn't make the playoffs. Um, so uh, that's, that's a good, that's a good lead into, you know, maybe one of the things I want to ask you is like, you know, how has a failure if you, and I'm not a big failure kind of a guy, but how has a failure or an apparent failure set you up for a later success? And do you have a favorite uh, failure of yours? I think every failure makes you tougher. It galvanizes you and it, it makes you have perspective that you wouldn't have had previously right it makes you realize how bad you do want something or you know it makes you realize that feeling of getting knocked down and feeling what it does feel like to get up 
and push your push on and know what it is to push on. And, um, gosh, I've had so many great failures, uh, <laughs> and, you know, looking back on them, you know, all the times I was caught bad games at Notre Dame. And I think, I think the reward is always seeing what's on the other side, no matter what those failures are, if you can push yourself both mentally and physically say, okay, I'm not going to let this keep me down, but see what's on the other side. Right. Um, you know, bad games when you come back and you have a good game the next game. I think that's such a rewarding feeling. Um, uh, that that's really probably one of you know my favorite failures. And, you know, getting cut and getting signed again was always great. But then it came to a point for me where I made a decision to move away from uh, football and to kind of stop going on the grind, use my degree and now just on the grind with my degree. But I think every failure has its own beauty in it. And like I said earlier, just like don't really ever look at it as a loss. Look at it as a winning opportunity, winning opportunity. growing, or you're learning because you yeah. are. You're growing, you're learning about yourself, and that itself is a winning opportunity. Maybe the world looks at it as a failure, but the world doesn't tell you how to look at it. You can decide how you look at it, and that goes back to the mental piece. Even though the world may say something, it's how you ultimately feel about it in the mental piece. and how you decide that it's going to affect you. If you decide it's going to affect you in a learning opportunity or a growing opportunity, it will. But if yeah. you decide to go in the way the world thinks, oh, this is a failure. You failed. You didn't do X, Y, Z. Then you're going to fall into that victim mindset and feel that way. But if you choose to have that growing and learning mindset, it's going to galvanize you and it's going to make you tougher for the next opportunity. Yeah. And that's a, that's spot on Tyler. You know what? Uh, Growing up, I think one of the things that's important for, for people to realize is that by the time a child is three years old, they've heard the word no over 250,000 times. You know, no, wow. don't do that. No, don't do this. No, don't. Well, you know, no, don't put your hand on a hot stove. That makes sense. Right. But no, don't do this. Don't do that. And, you know, a big part of that sometimes, Tyler, comes from, you know, the failure that other people perceive is, is, a, is about us. I mean, you know, we see it on weekends with, uh, and I hate to say this, but we see it on weekends with parents. You know, they get in the back seat. Johnny gets in the back seat after a big game, and he, you know, he he was three for four on field goals, but he missed the he missed the the twenty six yarder to send the game to overtime. And mm-hmm. all all the dad wants to focus on, or the mom is the one you missed. Usually, the dads are harder. The moms are more feeling driven. That's okay, Johnny. Don't worry about it. You know, and and those backseat discussions sometimes, you know, really do set a kid up for the failure as opposed to, hey, man, you were three for four. You were awesome today. You know, you missed that Mm -hmm. 26 yarder. Let's go work on it next time. Um, But I'm not a big guy that wants to keep. I I had one student um, that said, hey, you know, the, the, the parents said, hey, can we just go work on this one field goal he missed for an hour? I'm like, no, no, no. no no i'm not gonna do that that makes no sense but you know she was thinking that was a good thing for her son right Mm -hmm. when i walked it through where she's like okay now i understand you don't ever want to make it bigger than it really is correct correct i mean just it's just like wow but you know again everybody i think a lot of the times that has because maybe they weren't athletes you know uh, i just got done doing a podcast the other day where I just called, it was called just say no. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think Tyler, to your standpoint, um, our, a lot of us uh, that played that have kids, um, those of us who, who didn't play sports in college really don't know how difficult it is 
to be a college athlete compared to a high school athlete. They just don't know. They don't know all the things we've got to do to keep herself in shape, keep herself, you know, active. So we don't lose our job. And then if we do lose our job, what do we got to do to get it back in again? So I think that's why, you know, with a third of college scholarships by their end of their sophomore year quit mm-hmm. uh, college. So, you wow. know, they, they quit for reasons and women have a higher ten- tendency to, to, to leave their sport than, than uh, men do. So mm. um, in the last five years, because I think this is really ties it into, we only have a couple of questions left. In the last five years, since you've around pre and post COVID, what new belief or behavior or habit uh, on what do you think high school athletes and their parents will need to focus on since this is something that affects all of us now? Yeah, I think that, you know, Pre and post COVID, right? Uh, I'm an opportunistic kind of guy. I think that there was an opportunity to get yourself in probably in person more in front of coaches in pre a pre COVID world. Coaches were traveling more. They'd probably come see kids more. I can't really speak to what's post COVID for high school kids, but you know, going to these camps, having a bunch of kids there, going to college camps, it was very easy to do. It was relatively inexpensive at the time, and now I, I consider post-COVID where a lot of things are virtual and I put myself into that mindset and I I think about the kids I've trained and I tell them nobody cares about the 160-yard field goal you want to post or the 50, 68, whatever Amen. it is. Like it's, it's a one kick. Nobody cares. I said, if you really want to do yourself a favor, do this. I said, have your, have your highlights on YouTube. Don't put them on Huddle. Half the time, Huddle links don't work for coaches. <clears throat> put your put your highlights on YouTube. Put together a skills tape. If you're sending out these kids today, have such an advantage. Oh, all yeah. the coaches are on Twitter. Oh yeah. Put a skills tape from that week it, or the day up. Like, hey, this is a and it, put it on YouTube. It may take you an hour, but put it on YouTube so you have your highlights, a skills tape from the week of that you trained. Right. Ooh. Your resume, whatever clubs you're in, involvement, volunteer. And then your GPA, of course, all of that on the resume and send that to coaches. Coach Nolan, I probably spent over 100 hours doing that in high school, but I was going and finding emails or keeping I had a I had a stack of CDs from my not CDs, uh, just videos on in my locker. But they were, you know, on the CD files and I would give them to coaches that they would come to Carrollton and then I would spend I probably, like I said, a hundred hours finding emails and sending out an email with my resume and all those links to coaches. And I think these kids need to realize that it's not going to come to you. It's not just because you posted a 60 yard field goal or, or you right. posted a clip. It's, it's not going to come to you. These coaches are so busy and you have to send it out. You have to be mad about it. You have to be maniacal about it because you have, these things, you're going to get a hundred no's to get one. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's and that one. Yes. Can make the difference. It can make the difference. You know, it's that that's all the difference in the world. Right. I you know it's, it's funny, Tyler. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Keep on going. I apologize. Go ahead. Oh no, that's just, I was going to say, I, I firmly believe in that, you know, kids need to be comfortable with hearing like there's, there's no response. Nobody's going to stroke your ego, but at least you're sending it out to these coaches and they need to make a list. It's so easy to find, Schools that have seniors, schools that are having kickers or punters that are having down years, send them to those schools, send send them to schools that have juniors, send it to schools 
that you like, right? Or schools you've never heard of, schools that may have something academically that you want, send it to them. It doesn't matter if it's NAIA, D3, D2, D1AA, D1. I sent my film to any school that would look at it, right? Because I, that was the biggest part for me was being able to get my education. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And you know, and it's so funny. I, we, you, you may remember this, but with Mark Christopher, we had picked ten schools, right, that he wanted to go to because he wanted he loved chemistry. <clears throat> now he's he's a little more rare, and you know him very well. So he he was more focused on education. Um, as, as well as punting and kicking, but the, the focus for him was education. And he, and he gets that, I think from both of us, my wife and I, but you know, on Friday nights when we were blessed Trinity, we, he, he wasn't a big guy that went out after Friday night football and went to the waffle house and hung out with a bunch of guys and gals. Right. So my wife and I would videotape not, uh, and we wouldn't even use huddle film. We would videotape every kick, every field goal, every kickoff, every punt he did. Right. And then we put into a thing called a cool soft, which was a presentation management software. And when he came home after that night, after the game, we would, we would say, okay, son, here's all your kicks. Here's your hang time. Here's this. And he had agreed to him. And then that following Saturday, the 10 schools that he was interested in, we sent those, we sent those tapes out every Friday night and we'd wait to see back who was responding, mm -hmm. who wasn't responding. And then one week, we like the third or fourth week, we said, okay, we're not going to send any tapes out this week. We're not going to send anything out. See who responds. Well, eight of the 10 coaches that following Monday, because we knew Monday was the best day for coaches to get back with us, especially special teams coaches because they're having their meetings. Right. And eight out of the 10 came back and was like, dude, Mark, where, where's your film from the other night? Yeah. And that became our aha moment that became when we know that these coaches are interested in you as opposed to your point. Hey, I'm sending out something on Twitter. thinking I'm going to post a 60 yard field goal. And you know, they're all of a sudden these coaches, Oh my gosh, we got it off of you right away. It doesn't work like that. As you know, especially post COVID because of the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. Right. And you got to send it out right to your point too. These kids can't just send it out once and be like, all right, it's going to come. It's like fishing. Oh, seriously. A lot of it, you might be using the wrong bait. You might have to throw out the lure a hundred times to get a bite, but th that bite could make the difference in a good day and a bad day or for that's them, true. a scholarship or not. Right. Um, and I think that's a great point to tell you. It, it's something it's like that I've seen. Yeah, it's it like is. Sales, right? it, you, it, one no is just a no closer to a yes. Yeah, that's right? it. That's that's what we used to say in sales all the time. You know, they, yeah. you had to take nine no's to get the yes. You know, right. it may change now post COVID, but um, <laughs> what would you so what would you tell parents and the high school athletes uh, to get into the game of a proper mental side of conditioning as well as the physical side of training as they progress through their young playing days? And I I mean that by asking Tyler. I'm sure there are days you woke up and went, oh, man, okay, I got to do this today, or I got to do this today. You know, what was it that you would tell parents and high school athletes to really focus on every day, knowing that there's a limited amount of time they have each day in high school and in college for both the mental side as well as the physical side of training? Yeah, I think uh, I'll give you a, a quote that my friend uh, Pat Gordon gave to me. He he was a boxer at Notre Dame. Won Bengal bouts like oh Bengal bouts. Yeah, he, okay. Yeah, every year he was there. An incredible human being and one of the hardest workers I was ever around. And you know we were working on it. We got paired up in a group project one day together, and 
he said to me, we went, well, we went down to the boxing ring that night. He showed me some things. We got some great workouts in. I mean, it was a really cool night, Friday night, right? And sparred a little bit. He, you know, obviously he, he tore me up in the sparring, but it was fun, <laughs> right? It was a good experience. And um, I asked him, you know, we're talking about it. He goes, you know, Tyler, I try to look at boxing as, you know, if I could get 1%, at least 1% better every day over the course of a year, that's 365% better than I was the year before. And I think if you can just take that, and so he said, if you could take that 1% mindset, and that's where, you know, it's like, okay, I can do drops for five minutes a day. And I see that posted in my mirror. I can control the controllables. And I think maybe for each kid, that's different, right? Maybe it's working on your fuel goal steps. Maybe it's working on your follow through for five minutes, but you can do that, right? It's all possible. You can get 1% better. It's very easy to get 1% better a day. You know, you don't have to, change everything, but you can get 1% better or, you know, some days maybe more. Right. But I think over time that that is probably what I would tell, you know, high That's school a great athletes. point. That's a great point. You know, Tyler, uh, right now, the last data that I have that I've been doing on, you know, to your point, the one percenters, there's literally about 1.3% now of high school athletes get scholarships. Mm. So can imagine well, that, right? If that you take that 1% every day and just get better, just every day to focus on that 1% because only 1.3% of high school athletes are getting scholarships that may help to drive them. I, I had that discussion the other day with a, a kid I was training. I was like, you know, you're a junior. I said 365 days from today, from today, you're either going to be playing in your last game as a high school athlete, mm -hmm. getting ready for college or you're not, but you've got 365 days from today that you and I are going to have a discussion about where you're going, what you're doing, what schools you're talking to. I said, so you've got to get that in your mindset now. You can't wait. And I think, sadly, it seems like some of these kids just, to your point, they want that instant gratification where, hey, I hit a 60-yard field goal. I'm going to put that out on Twitter and just think all the coaches are going to come calling for me. It, it doesn't work that way anymore, does it, Tyler? I don't think it really. Yeah. And honestly, you know, it may be at one point in time when the first kid that ever hit, you know, the 60 or 70, maybe it works like that for a brief amount of time. But then every kid like, so like, OK, I can do that. But I think it, the, the important thing, right, is that you put something consistent out there. You put recent tape in your game tape and send it out until you hear a note. Don't just send it out once and think you're good. Right. It's continuously like you, you and Mark Christopher did continuously send that film out until you hear something. If this is a dream school, send it to everybody. Mm -hmm. Don't just send it to one, one, send it to every coach at that school because eventually one coach is going to forward it to the right guy and they're eventually going to get back to you. I would send it to strength coach, anybody that had a at something, you know, at dot edu email with, that was in the right. football department. I would send right. it to them because why not? I'd put them all together and, you know, 20 people and just send it. And then I'll, okay, reply thread send another link here look at this you know and they can do that these kids can do that but i don't think a lot of them want to and i'm not going to speak about it. recruiting services or anything like that but you can send it out a lot of the stuff you can do yourself yeah it, it's all yeah so yeah um great point because you know i i do talk about recruiting services you know in my book and some other things i'm doing but you know I, I I do know this for a fact that in the in the coaches I talk to, you know, when they're using these recruiting services, I try to tell parents, you're going to spend two thousand, three thousand dollars for these recruiting services that all they're going to give you is a database. 
and they're giving that same database with all those coaches on it to the other kids. So, mm-hmm. you know, and all you're going to do is just blast them out there. You got to find your, you got to find your play and you got to find where you want to go to school and you'll see it on social media. Now, Tyler, you'll see these coaches like, Hey, what's up, dog? You know, where's my dogs? You know, yeah, uh, yeah. send me your videotapes. And, and here's a kid that will be a senior. He doesn't have his NCAA 10, uh, 10 clearinghouse number on his, on his profile. He doesn't have the GPA to get in. I mean, I saw a kid that had like a, a 2.3 GPA responding to a guy from Harvard. I'm like, dude, you're not yeah. going to get into Harvard with a 2.3 GPA. And the reason why you kept your 10 digit NCAA code off probably because you don't have the grades to get in there. So, yeah. I mean, I think to your point, all those things, and it's so, I think it's so easy to do research on these things, but it does take time to your point. It does take that one time, but once you do that one time, it's like a, it's like washing, washing your clothes, you know, wash, rinse and repeat cycle, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So last question, I guess, the last two questions are, you know, as we move from fall to winter days of high school competition and, you know, the various strength conditioning things that you do and you have done, I know that there's been good discussions, bad discussions on how we train weightlifting wise conditioning are there is there one or two maybe lifting exercises or stretching that they must learn from a mental technique? Like I would include yoga and FMS that you use uh, or have used and why? I certainly agree with you. Yoga, FMS, regeneration days. And I mentioned too, I think it's okay to get heavy in the off season. Yeah. I think it is but with proper recovery and proper form. I mean, mm. if you want to lift heavy with the team, lift heavy. I lifted heavy with the team and I loved it. I think it was a big part of my playing success because it gave me leg strength. And the the latter I would add is add in explosive training on days you're not getting heavy or days you get heavy later in the afternoon and spend 30 minutes doing explosive training. Hex bar deadlifts are incredible. One leg squat jumps. One leg squat jumps, yep. Bulga- single leg Bulgarian legs, I love them as yep. well. Yep. Single yeah. leg Bulgarians are incredible. Um, yeah. So I think that, you know, even single leg cable raises, cable raises. focusing on the single, single legs um, and being explosive with it. Quick up, you know, slow on the way down, hex bar jumps. And there's a way to work explosive training that Coach Potts told me about. It's kickers and punters are very similar to sprinters, right? Our movement is very fast, fast. it's very quick, and, and it's over. So he mentioned training, you know, with these hex bar jumps, five sets of five, but you do four jumps with the bar, very lightweight. You know, you're looking at 90 to 135 on the bar. You do four jumps, but then you wait one minute and you do it without the bar because you're training that quick twitch muscle. Correct. Correct. And that's something I think kids could understand is training those quick twitch muscles to fire. And, and, And a lot of kids do need to add strength. And the reality is we have a lot of, and I think, I've met a lot of great Australian punters and there are a lot of great Australian punters coming into NCAA football. Oh yeah. And, and that's, I think it's a good thing because it's making these kids, it it can make them better or you can make an excuse and say, Oh, that guy's 23. What's up? Well, you have, well, that guy was, that guy was working probably some of them are working a trade and not punting a football for two or three years, right? You're coming off still punting. So I think you can make the argument for both sides, but these kids have an opportunity to put on strength and great and get good form and really focus on proper technique, not only with lifting, but with 
their drills. That's and that's the last piece I'll add. The drills. Mm. You could spend your whole offseason doing drills, getting right. You should walk around that track for miles doing drills oh, yeah. if you're a punter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I loved doing that when I played. So I think that it presents a lot of opportunity in the offseason. Do everything with proper form and do it with the most intensity that you can, and the results will come. Yeah. And sending your film out is what I would say too. Fall and winter days. I mean, in Georgia, you're going to get some of those cold, rainy days. Go get a good lift in, get your heart rate, do your drills, and then go send your film out to to schools and make a list of how many schools. And if you're a kid listening to this, be smart too about it because sometimes these kids will post, oh, just got a letter from or just got this yeah. from X, yeah. Y, and Z coach. Well, yeah. now you know X, Y, and Z coach is looking, so send your yeah. film to that coach. Yeah. And maybe, you know, some people might say, that. well, that's bad business. No, I think it's bad business that the kid's flaunting it out there. If you're going to flaunt it out there, it's going to be public information for any kid to send. And I would do that. If I saw yeah. a kid was getting letters from this coach, yeah, that coach is going to get my film in the next that, couple of minutes. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. It's, you know, it's almost like, you know, going back to dating. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. if that guy is dating a cheerleader and 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 he he thinks he, he's his stuff don't stink. Well, I'm going to go date a cheerleader or I'm going to go date her, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I think one of the things I did the other day was in my podcast, I did talk about one of the things that that you have to do as a student athlete is if you're in a conference, let's say you're in a southern southern conference whatever the conference is going to be now they've, they've changed so much i think it's going to be the nil conference pretty soon uh but if you're in a conference and you got one coach i'm telling you send that send your tape out to all the other coaches inside that conference and make sure they see who you're tagging on your twitter profile and you'd be surprised how many coaches go what's he talking to that guy for right because mm-hmm. these coaches all talk to each other and, mm-hmm. and why not, right? So use everything you can to your ability, especially on social media. It's not like we're asking you to take you know, 20 letters and go to the post office and mail them, uh, right? Yeah. We're not. Mm-hmm. We're asking, it takes five minutes to do the exact same tweet to somebody else and just pass it on. So um, gr- great, great, great points, Tyler. Um, what is the one final thought that you want to leave our listeners with today, especially in the class of 2024? and the signing days that are approaching us and with the new recruiting year. And then as the season gets longer, what would you tell them to do from just your own journey? First thing is always go to class. How you do anything is how you do everything. I I can't say that enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I would tell these young men is that you're more than a kicker and a punter. You're a football player. So take this weight training seriously, you know, Go do all the work you can in the offseason to position yourself for success in, in the, for next year's season, whether that's with your high school team or with your college team. And um, work every day like it's your last day. Uh, I want to challenge these young kickers and punters that ask yourself before you go out there, say, if this was the last day I could ever kick a football again, you know, how, how enthusiastic would I be about today? If this was the last day I could ever go do five by 10 and 60% on squats, how enthusiastic would I feel? They just ask yourself, you were never going to do it again. How hard would you attack it knowing that this is the last day I'm going to do this? I, you know, you'll see a shift in the mindset, right? And right. I would tell kids to, to do that. And lastly, never let anyone tell you what's possible or what isn't. Um, I think that, 
everything happens for a reason and faith in God will lead you into the right direction for these high school kids. And that it's uh, never, never dream too small and always, always bet on yourself. Yeah. And, and that that's great, great advice. Um, you know, you've certainly been uh, one of the, another one of the inspiring people I talked to uh, on, on your journey, <clears throat> but I'm glad to see that you're all doing well down in Florida. You're probably enjoying the life down there. Now, the last question is now, <clears throat> are the drivers really in Florida that bad? <clears throat> because I mean, <laughs> we, get it, we get it in Georgia where everybody drives in the left-hand lane down there, you know, and like they're mm-hmm. up like, Oh my goodness gracious. You're going 45 in a, on the left-hand you know, lane, but, uh, um, is they go it, fast. Yeah, <laughs> I will say that they go very fast down here. Good, good. Well, listen, yeah. I I, I want to thank you again. I hope you have a Merry Christmas, Tyler. Uh, say hello to your, your parents for me, everybody else you're associated with. Continue success on your journey, whatever it may be. And uh, may God continue to bless you and uh, everything you do. Thank you, Coach. Uh, I really appreciate you having me as a guest. And any high school kickers and punters out there, if there's ever any way I can help, uh, I'm an open book. So please let them know if they need any of the kids need any Good. information uh, to let them know. What's your what's your Twitter account so people can follow you on Twitter if they're uh, if if they're on Twitter? I actually don't have Twitter and Instagram. I haven't, che- or- uh, I haven't checked Instagram in about six months, so I haven't really been on much social media. Um, but well, if they if they need anything share my number with them. Yeah. Uh, more than happy yes. to do that. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll share their phone numbers and, uh, um, you know, I'll make sure they're not trying to get yourself Amway form or something like that, but I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll share, I'll share their email address first with you and then you can take it from there if you want to help them out. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, well, I appreciate it coach. And thank you. Again All right, for brother. Me. Thanks very much. I'll, I'll tell Mark Christopher you said hello. Please do. Merry Christmas. Thanks buddy. God bless. Yes, sir. See you later. See you. Bye-bye.